Hello, this is Fight Back, a podcast by the Healthcare Consumer Rights Foundation. I'm Steve Poisner, healthcare consumer advocate, founder, and executive director. Our nonprofit's mission is to help you navigate the complex healthcare system and understand your legal rights, options, and opportunities when you encounter problems and obstacles. We want to empower you with the information you need to fight back and get the best possible care. Our special guests, experts in their field of healthcare and medicine, provide you with an informative, interesting, and life-changing education on a variety of healthcare topics important to you and your loved ones. In our new Fight Back mini-cast series, we take you through the highlights and great educational information from our most popular podcast topics in our very large library. Let's get started. Can you describe for our listeners you know, some of the um, amazing progress that's happened over the last 10 to 15 years in treating you know, uh, cardiovascular disease? Yeah, thank you, Steve. Um, so this field is, uh, has and still witnesses remarkable innovations that are rapidly being translated to the bedside. Um, it, it, I, I wouldn't say it's a pure innovation of transcatheter techniques. It's a culmination of um, our deep understanding of uh, perioperative physiology and uh, cardiac imaging, uh, advanced planning, and the concept of multidisciplinary care have all allowed these technologies to be safely translated and taken to the bedside and applied in clinical trials that demonstrated their efficacy. Um, and thus, they are now approved uh, to be um, uh, provided for our patients. So with regards to valves, um, you know, our listeners are pretty uh, non-technical. So, I mean, how many key valves are there in the cardiovascular system? And how common is it for people to have problems with one of these valves malfunctioning? So, great question. Uh, so the, the heart has four valves, um, two on each side. And um, typically, um, the valve that historically has uh, been at the forefront of transcatheter innovations is the aortic valve. Um, and that has to do with the fact that it, it's so common that people in older age to develop degeneration of this valve and require open heart operation. Uh, however, a good proportion of patients were not candidates for an open heart operation because of a lot of comorbidities and how advanced uh, their disease is. Sometimes the heart muscle is weak or they have uh, end-stage kidney disease or liver disease. That open heart operation is just not uh, beneficial for them. They may not survive it. And, uh, you know, historically, these patients um, uh, were offered some medical therapy, but eventually they would die of this disease. Um, so there was a huge uh, need uh, to develop transcatheter minimally invasive techniques to replace this valve. And once that was achieved, uh, the congenital heart disease community, um, having uh, the benefit of uh, deep uh, understanding of anatomy, uh, have taken that innovation and applied it to the right side of the heart, to the pulmonary valve, uh, to replace it fairly quickly after the aortic valve has been approved. Um, and that 
now is currently is a standard procedure that is performed at uh, almost all congenital heart disease centers. Um, and more recently, uh, people have also been eyeing the other two valves. The mitral valve um, is now a hot area, um, and uh, over the past eight years or so, has witnessed dramatic innovations in transcatheter techniques for repairing it and replacing it. Um, and over the past three years, the last valve, the tricuspid valve, um, has been the focus of also repair and replacement. Um, so this field is, uh, I mean, tremendously innovative. And uh, where we are right now, where we were 10, 15 years ago, is just night and day. How common is it for people to have problems with one of their four major valves there? So people who don't have congenital heart disease, uh, who never had heart issues, it is quite common. Uh, for example, the aortic valve is a disease of older age. Um, the way I would think about it, uh, Steve, is uh, the aortic valve is the highest uh, or the valve that is under highest pressure in the heart. Uh, it is being battered 80 times a minute, uh, 24-7. Um, so if you think about it, if all human beings live to be 150 years old, everybody will develop aortic valve disease, will require aortic valve replacement. Um, however, some people develop degeneration sooner than others. Some people were born with some issues with this valve, so they develop it at a much younger age. But the average person, it's in their 80s, typically, when people require some sort of uh, aortic valve uh, intervention. We've talked a lot about valves here. What about the, the latest techniques when it comes to stents? Uh, what's, uh, have there, has there been a lot of advancements there as well? Well, a lot of advancements. Um, you know, stents uh, have evolved uh, dramatically over the past few decades. Uh, uh, the, most of the innovation happened in the coronary artery field. Uh, where people would come in with heart attacks or heart blockages, really the only solution was open-heart surgery, uh, where you crack open the sternum, the, the breastbone, and a surgeon would bypass the occluded artery using one of the veins or the arteries of the patient from their wrist or from their leg. Um, obviously, that carries higher risks, um, and the recovery could be uh, rocky, um, and it's painful. Um, and not many people are actually candidates for this specific surgery. By the way, it is still being performed. There are a subset of patients who would benefit more from open-heart surgery than stents. But because of the overwhelming need, stents were developed and um, to prop open the coronary arteries. Um, and since they were first developed, um, now the, the modern stents have drugs that are coating them from inside to prevent clots or prevent them from getting narrower, um, have special techniques. They come in all different types of sizes. Um, so that allowed the interventional team or the field to learn substantially from transcatheter manipulation of devices and stents. Um, and then the next step was uh, the valves. Um, that, that benefited from those innovations. I want to thank you for listening to today's Fight Back minicast. You can listen to the full podcast on this topic or check out additional podcasts 
by going to our website at www.healthcareconsumerrights.org. We also welcome your input and stories that we can use on future podcasts. This is Steve Poisner, and this is Fight Back, a podcast by the Healthcare Consumer Rights Foundation. Thanks for listening. I look forward to our next podcast. Talk with you soon.